You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. Oh, friends, I'm just delighted to meet with you this morning. I know that I haven't been able to meet many of you listening, but I want you to know I consider us friends who simply haven't met. You might hear my voice each week, and maybe you're getting to know me a little bit, but I want to get to know you too. So before we go any further in today's episode, I want to ask you to find me and send me a message. Tell me a little bit about who you are. I'd love to get to know you. I'll put the links in the show notes so you only have to click, but I'll also just mention all the places that you can find me over on Instagram and Facebook at Tending Fields is one spot. There's also a little group. Well, it's getting bigger and it's pretty busy. It's called Tending Fields Moms Group, and that is over on Facebook. Join me there. And finally, you can just send me an email or you could join my email list and then hit reply when those come into your inbox. Now, it's super fun when someone you meet virtually becomes a friend in real life. We were living in Oregon when I realized we were moving to Tennessee, and I I have a whole story about that that you guys can go back and listen to. But anyway, I knew when we were moving, I wanted to get settled and connected to a group of women, a Bible study group in Tennessee. And so I looked for a local Bible study. I was so fortunate to find Bible Study Fellowship had a satellite group in the town I was moving to, and I got to join that even while I was still in Oregon. And because of COVID and the virtual aspect of life, I got to start that study with the women in my new town a month before we even moved. Rhonda was not only in that group, I believe she was the one who started the local BSF class, and I'm really excited to get to introduce her to you now. So Rhonda, you can take it away and introduce yourself. How would you like to be known? What details can we find out about you before we really jump in? Hi, Pam. Thanks for having me. This is kind of a surreal thing. I'm a Navy wife. I think that's my biggest hat that I've worn for the longest time. I have three children, um, all grown and married. I have six grandchildren who are just, you know, grandchildren are just God's way of saying, you did a good job. I'm letting you continue. And you don't have all the stress of raising them. You just have the privilege of praying for them and praying for their parents as they raise them. So I have been married going on 38 years. I think it will be in March. And I've moved a lot. I've, I became a nurse later in life. And, um, but most of all, I just love God's word and that's how we met. And I just love the friends that I have met around God's word. Those are my best friends. Yeah, I would agree. It seems like with those friends, um, even if there's absences between times together, you can still pick up and say, what is God teaching you? What are you learning? Uh, It's just this common ground for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have done a little bit of talking ahead of time and you were sharing with me when you were young, your very first Bible. Can we just jump back to that moment and and the whole story around getting that very first Bible? Sure. I, I don't remember 
anything, you know, a light from the sky or anything dramatic. I just remember wanting a Bible when I was eight. Looking back at it now and having an eight-year-old grandchild and um, others coming up in that age and, and knowing other children, I'm like, I wonder how odd it was or how common it was to want a Bible at that age. But we didn't have, I didn't have Bible readers around me. I remember my my one set of grandparents had the big Bible with the gilded edge, you know, and big pictures, big words, and it sat on a coffee table and um, nobody opened it. I never saw anybody read a Bible. But God, God, I know now, looking back, he planted that desire in my heart at a very young age. And so I asked for a Bible and my grandmother with the big Bible bought me one for my birthday. And it was King James because that's all that we had. And I was so excited about it. And I made up my mind, I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to read it every day. And so I, I had a little, it was, it was a seventies and I had this yellow mushroom lamp in my next to my bed. And I love it. Little Bible <laughs> sitting next to it. And, you know, I'd get in bed at night and turn that mushroom lamp on and I would read in <laughs> the first, you know, the first few chapters of Genesis are, even if it's in the King James, that old language, it's pretty familiar because that's what's taught in, you know, Sunday school classes. So, but right around the flood and the Tower of Babel, I was just like, I don't understand what I'm reading, you know? And so I probably lasted maybe six days. I don't know, not very long. And I closed it up and, you know, from time to time I tried again, but that old language just, you know, for an eight-year-old, <laughs> even yeah. for an eight-year-old sometimes now, it's it's hard to to muddle through, but some people love the King James and God bless them. And starting in Genesis too, maybe, you know, one of my boys came to me and said, mom, where do I start? And I said, why don't we start in John? Yes. You know, it, it's, yeah. that's also, you know, if you're not being directed, it's not wrong to start in Genesis. What do we oh. normally start a book at the beginning, at right? The beginning, that makes yeah. sense, but mm -hmm. it might be a little harder reading. Right. Right. You know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned, I wonder how many kids are interested in a Bible at that age. My little guy is nine and a half. And a few months ago, he came up to me, we've got Bibles all over the house, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I actually have a bunch of $1 paperback Bibles that I got, you know, promotional ones. Those are the ones I send to VBS with my kids because they lose them and they never come home. Right. So I've got a whole bunch of those. Uh, but he came to me a couple months ago and said, mom, why don't I have my own Bible? I really want to have my own. And so I went online and, and looked for one just for him. And we do have a lot more translations to choose from now. Now it's a matter of what does the cover look like? What translation? I found one for him with a great big lion's head on it. And the day that I gave it to him, he was thrilled beyond belief. He immediately went and just had to read it. And yes. so it is interesting at that time yes. in life where there's there's a maybe a spark or a curiosity to to know it for yourself and to have it for yourself. And maybe that comes with uh, becoming a stronger reader, learning to read and and be, knowing you can 
bring that knowledge and understand things on your own, maybe a little independence. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The, the choice of Bibles, like you were saying is just, it's amazing to me. I mean, all my grandkids have one and it is a delight to see them look at the pictures and, you know, that popular one, the Jesus storybook Bible. I have my own copy of that. And sometimes I will look at that if I'm looking for a, well, I don't quite understand this, you know, that helps. So it's, children are very blessed now, you know, that have, they have so much access to, to God's word. It's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? I I actually know a gal, you're a nurse, so this would make sense. I know a gal who was going through nursing school and she was having so much trouble comprehending some of the lessons in her nursing school books, but she was a homeschool mom. And so when she got to this one, I don't remember what it was, circulatory, circulatory system, respiratory, whatever. And she was just not getting it from those college books. She mm-hmm. went and grabbed her Apologia anatomy physiology book that was for elementary students and read through that same system. And all of a sudden it I mean, it just became clear. They just explained it in a different way. And so I think we can do that with the word of God too. Sometimes we look and we're like, I just don't get it. And if we go to a different translation, it just presents it in a different way. And, and all of a sudden it can click. Yes. Yes. It's wonderful. We are, we're living in an age where technology has just opened up doors that my parents, my grandparents could have never even imagined, you know, so that we don't take advantage of it. You know, God has provided it for us. And, and that's, that is, if I could say anything is to encourage, you know, now is the time it's at your, you know, I can look at my phone and have all of God's word right at my fingertips. You know, we really are without excuse anymore for reading the Bible. And yeah. Yeah, it's true. It, there's hard, it's hard sometimes, but it is. but you're right. It is very available to us. Yes. So go back to when you were eight plus six days <laughs> <laughs> after you had, had done that little marathon, kind of got overwhelmed. Then some time passed. What did that look like? So, I mean, it, it was... <sighs> You know, I didn't grow up in a super religious household. We went to church on Sunday, Sunday school, and came home, and and that was it. You know, it was a different time from where I grew up culturally. Um, we didn't have a lot. We didn't have youth groups meeting weekly. You know, once a week church. There was times that, you know, I I can remember sitting in church and and singing and looking out the window and. You know, God has placed in all of our hearts that desire to seek him and not not knowing it intellectually at the time. But you can feel that stirring in your heart when you're a child, like there has to be more there. There has to be more to this. So like many people, then I just, you know, I went to church and did the motions. But, you know, my heart was far from him, you know, entered into difficult times and made bad choices and. You know, we pray for God to help us, but there's that there's that line of, I don't want to repent of what I'm doing. I just want Him to help me do what I'm. I don't want to quit doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so I lived that life for quite a while, and you know, finally I got to the point where I couldn't fool Him anymore. And you you cry out. I cried out to Him, you know, to help me, and. He he began. He began to help me. And even then, in that initial crying out to him, 
it still wasn't the word of God, you know, that was in my face all the time. It was just this every this little gentle nudging, you know, maybe a verse at church would just jump out, but um, or I'd hear somebody say something, you know, that had God in it, you know, and you kind of look. But um, I was having some problems. By then I was a mother and had three young kids and we were a Navy family and had moved around a lot. And I couldn't, I couldn't pretend anymore or I couldn't, um, I couldn't fake it. I, you know, it, there was just a point where like, I have other lives that are depending on me now and I got to get my act together. And so I went to my pastor and said, I need some counseling. And um, he, the very first day we met, I knew he knew what I needed. <laughs> I know now he knew what I needed, but he, he took a piece of paper and he wrote two things on it and he slid it across his desk. And he said, Rhonda, I want you to just go home and read this when you get a chance. Well, I looked at it and there were two Psalms ready, written on it, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. And the child, the eight-year-old me who desired to want to read God's word had been overshadowed by the person who was afraid to read God's word because she was afraid of what she would read in it. You know, I had a very guilty conscience and I had a lot of shame and um, agony going on. But when I got home and finally read Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, it was just like this healing oil just poured over me. And God saying, I know what you did, but I don't want you to live in this anymore. I don't want you to live in this pain and shame. You know, you just need to tell me about it. I already know about it, but you need to speak the words to me. Mm -hmm. And that's where it started. And there, a hunger developed that, that seed that was planted when I was eight, the hunger started then, uh, a true hunger. His word just became alive. Like he promised it, it became alive in me. You know, something you said just, I, I think could be a real lesson for us, no matter where we are in our life is sometimes we're afraid to speak a word to somebody because we think it doesn't make sense. Or um, maybe we don't put that bumper sticker on our car. Maybe we don't have that picture up in our house uh, for our children to see or people who come up, you know, how, how overtly do we want to throw our faith out there? But yet those are seeds being dropped along the path for someone to pick up. And those cumulative things, those deposits kind of work together at one point when that person is ready. I, I kind of think one word that you're coming to also is surrender because all of these, like you kind of had all these little pieces, but then you kind of also had to come to this point of surrender. And without those deposits, it would have been harder to come to that point. Right, right, right. I had a um, friend, we moved around a lot in the early years of my husband's Navy career. One of the places we moved to is Newport, Rhode Island. And the first time we were there, we were only there for six months. My husband was going to school and um, then he got orders to a ship. So we had moved away, moved on, and we lived where the ship was for a year. And then we got orders back to Newport. Within those two years, we moved four times. Just, you know, it was just a crazy, crazy time. And I had little, little kids and wow, um, 
But a friend that I made the first time we were in Newport, she had children the same ages as my children. Our, our kids were like steps, you know, yeah. I had the oldest and then her oldest and then my oldest and in age and our first, our firstborns had the same name. So we had a lot in common and our husbands were in the same class. Well, she would, her name is Cindy and she would say things like, um, when we were talking about, you know, where are our orders going to be and stuff? Well, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to pray about it. And I'd look at her and I'd think, what, what do you mean? Just pray. Nobody prayed except the pastor, you know, and if there were any other, it was before meals, you know, and we right. didn't do a lot of praying before meals as a child either, you know, so. And like, uh, what's that going to do? Like, I mean, you can pray all day long, but I need hard and fast answers, right. right? And yeah. And I would just think, pray about it, you know, so she was one of those seeds, you know, that you were talking about. And so we ended up, you know, a year and a half later back in Newport, Rhode Island, neighbors once again. And this time, both of us were going to be there, I think about a year and a half. And so our friendship just really developed. And, and she was just constantly talking about praying about stuff. And it that created this desire for me of like, well, you mean I can pray, you know, and that just brought me on a whole new level with God of, of just praying and talking to him. And it was a it was a whole new world for me to believe that I could talk to this person who wrote this Bible, you know, that I read. It was very freeing, beautiful. Did she teach you how to pray or did you it, she just kind of helped create that interest so that you then pursued that in other ways? Yes. And she she just talked about praying about the oddest stuff. Like, you know, I, I went to the grocery store. And I, I didn't know which one to buy. So I just prayed about it. You no, know, like what, <laughs> you know, and, um, or I had this co- phone conversation with my dad and he really upset me. And so I just prayed about it and then I felt better. You know, she just, it, it, it wove, it weaved its way through every part of her life. And it just came naturally to her to say, I just pray about it. It reminds me of how simple and easy it is to pray. Sometimes I think we make a huge deal out of it. Like if I'm going to pray, I need to schedule time. I need to go sit down with my prayer notebook and a Bible for referencing. And and we make this big event and we don't need to make a big event. God's interested in the little things in our life, the salad, the friendships, you know, what, where we move the big things, um, our children. Oh my goodness. As moms, we like how many times as a mom, no matter what age your children are, if they're babies, toddlers, teenagers, or here we are as an adult, uh, have adult married children in their parenting, we can step there for a minute and say, God, help me to know what to say to my child. I just heard something come out of their mouth or I saw them do something or I see a struggle and I have no idea how to express or respond to that. I need your help. And and it's that simple. We don't have to make an event. He's there for us at all times. All times. And one time I used to, back in those days, and I sound old when I say this, but... <laughs> You know, um, we didn't have the internet and podcasts and all of that. All we had was radio. 
And I, in one of our moves, you know, we would have two cars, so I would have to drive. And I came across Focus on the Family. Yeah. Never had, never had heard of Focus on the Family before. And Dr. Dobson, I would say, was a huge seed in, in my faith walk. But I can remember we were driving and I heard, I was switching channels and I heard this woman say, I was so angry with my child. I was so angry and I was crying and I had this anger like I'd never had before. So all I could do was get on my knees and pray. Well, that blew my world up too, because I, you know, get on your knees and pray. Well, you know, around this time I'd met Cindy. And so all of these things were coming together. And I was at that point, like, I did not know how to be a mother. I did not know how to do these individual personalities who had their own ideas, their own ways of doing things. They they couldn't do things exactly how I thought they should do it, you know, A, because they were so much smaller than I, but they just had their own personality, but I did not know how to let them be them. I got to that point, well, like, well, I'm just going to try this, you know, and get on my knees. And I remember the time and the place in my bedroom and in Rhode Island and just said, Lord, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. You have to show me how to parent. And that was a major, major moment in my life of giving my children over to God. And he just released me from so much worry and angst about my children even to this day, it's, it's really kind of abnormal. I think <laughs> like he, he just was like, Rhonda, they are my kids. They were yeah. my kids before they yeah. were your kids. And yep. you, you've got to relinquish them to me and it, it's going to turn out. Okay. So, yeah. and as much as we love our children, he oh, loves them even more. So much more. Yeah. Yeah. There are no, he has no grandchildren. <laughs> And the perspective is really interesting at at this stage when I have five adult children and four of them don't live with me, right? And sometimes we think, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. And, And physically, it's not possible. But we can pray and God who is with them and is working in their lives, in their community and in their homes, he can take care of it. And we don't, we don't have to be in control and we can't be in control. So why do we try? Let's just trust them to him. Right. Yes. And it's such a joy then to step back and see what he's doing in their lives. I mean, it just one, one piece of advice I got early on in one of our moves there was, I was in the church. It was called the, called the narthex and our thing, but the entryway was the lobby, the lobby. Yeah. Yeah. And I was speaking to a, probably a woman my age now, I don't know. But anyway, she, (laughs) she told me, you know, the best advice she was giving, given was to pray that, because she said, I will never be able to be for my, with my children a hundred percent all the time. I just, it's not possible. So I am praying that God will send mature believers to my children that can be spiritual mothers and fathers and grandparents. And I start praying that, and it's just amazing the the adults that have come into my children's lives and mentored them, and it 
it is just so wonderful that God just blesses you when you give up, when you, when you give it in, he just blesses you because it's like, just take your hands off and let me show you what I can do. And my kids, all of us have our quirks and, you know, there's things that we can all improve, improve on, but he has really been kind to me to show me how much he answered that early prayer of give mm-hmm. them to me. It, yeah. It's beautiful. It's yeah. just beautiful. I could break on them for hours, but I, you know, <laughs> you can interview them. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. We, we got to have a list of them. So, okay. So let's move tracks and let's just jump back in. Um, let's go back a little bit and talk more about this thirst to read God's word and to know it. You had a friendship with another Navy mom that challenged you. Is that right? Yes. Yes. We were um, stationed together and a school again, and we were living in beautiful Monterey, California. Oh, beautiful. She and I started walking together. She was a homeschool mom. My kids were public school, but we started walking. By then, I I had some pretty good legs, I thought, for for understanding what the Bible said and sin and grace and, you know, justification, all of those big theological things. Um, but we would walk in the morning and I would, we'd have discussions and she would just challenge me in my, my thinking. And so the best way I can just jump ahead and then I'll go back, but it ended up, I made a call to my pastor and said, you know, she's saying this, what do we believe? Meaning what does my church believe is the right answer to. Right. She's telling me this, but I want to make sure if she's telling this, that it is in line with what the church, our church, you are telling me is telling me. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, they were very glad to tell me what the right way to think was, you know, and I don't want to criticize that. I don't want to criticize that, but the the crux of it is God used that moment to say, Rhonda, what do you believe? What do you believe about me? It doesn't matter what she believes or what your church believes or your pastor believes or your husband or your family or anybody. What do you believe? Who do you say I am? Mm. And that was the next big moment. Who do I say you are? What? I mean, I get the Jesus thing. I get the Christmas story. I get the Easter story. I believe that's true. But is that all there is? You know, I, and so many times it would come back to that little child in me looking out and saying, is this it? Is this all there is? And so um, during this time, you know, I had a lot of questions and I don't want to say confusion because God's not the author of confusion, but it was, it was a quest. Like I need to know who you are. So our church put out a a devotional booklet every quarter. And at the bottom, each day was a daily Bible reading. And if you did it, you'd read the whole Bible in a year. So I haughtily said, okay, God, I am giving you one year. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to follow this, this guide. Um, and you are going to tell me who you are. I am not going to look at anything else. I'm not going to look up. Well, I couldn't look. We didn't have the internet then. I'm not going to, you know, I'm just going to look 
at you and in your word. And I would like to say I read it every single day. I didn't, you know, I had to pay catch up many times, you know, I'd get off track a week or two. And, but he started showing me his personality, not just his love, just his personality. And I will never forget. And I wrote this down because I thought of it after we talked. Um, I, when I got to numbers and the children of Israel have left Egypt and they're wandering in the desert and God gives them manna. And my kids around this time were like eight, six and five that, you know, they were school age elementary. And I got to the part it's in numbers 11 where they were whining about their food and, oh, we shouldn't have left Egypt. We should go back. We had leeks and onions and all this stuff. We know we don't get any meat now. And <laughs> I can remember reading when God says to Moses, if they want meat, I'm going to give them meat. They're going to have so much meat. It's going to come out of their noses. And I read that and I busted out laughing because I'm like, God, you're a parent. You know <laughs> what it's like to have picky children yeah it was so I mean I still cannot not laugh about it because yeah. it was so humorous to me God has such a sense of humor and he is he is holy and he is high and lifted up but he is he lived as a man he walked this earth he knows exactly what we're dealing with and uh it's it's just awesome when you are a parent and you look at God's word, I think we see a lot of times like, oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know, just parenting and the way God teaches us and trains us. I had a conversation with my little guy last night about that. Now I can't remember at all what it was, but it was it was directly. I was like, oh, yeah, God does that with us, you know, just the way we do that with you. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's the ultimate parent. I mean, that's what it, that is what it's all about. And even when you read, you know, like, you know, we're studying the prophets and the Kings and, you know, in a big way, it's about Israel, but in the small way, it is about God and his child that that's what we can glean from it. You know, like he is a God of mercy and grace, but there are consequences to your behavior. It's just how he has set up himself, you know, like. That's something that I hope I can talk to him about later, you know, like that he still he forgives us our sins and he he purifies us and cleanses us from them. But we still suffer consequences like they're lesser sometimes, but some consequences we have to suffer just be. And that's what that's what all of the Old Testament is. It's like. If you just follow me and do what I say, your life is going to be better. But if you're not, then these consequences are going to play out. Yeah. Okay. So I'm not sure if we finished the story about your connection with that other Navy wife. Oh, yes. Yeah. Tell yes. me. <laughs> so she, she just basically challenged me, you know, and she didn't even know it now. Um, you know, I think I wrote to her later and just said, I apologize, you know, for, you know, cause I was just a know-it-all. I just thought I knew it all. And, you know, if my church said this was the way, then it was your problem, you know, but then God enlightened me. Kind of like the church says it's this way and it doesn't matter what the Bible said. Cause my church told me this right. and she kind of 
kind of challenged you in that to dig deeper and find out for yourself, for you to search the word and and figure that out. And so how did you do that? How did you know where to go and, and organize your thoughts and figure that out? So then we're going to flash forward a few more years. You know, that's, that's the thing. Nothing, nothing God does is instantaneous in my, in our mind. You know, it, I would like to say this day I did this, and then the next day he did that. But he developed things in years, not months, not seconds, not hours. And so he he kept me in the word. You know, I got through that first year. Well, then I had to go back and, you know, I'm on a repetitive cycle of it. Then we moved again. Well, we moved a couple more times. But after our one of our last final, final moves, I had a friend we became friends and started talking and she recognized my hunger for God's word. And she said, I think you would like Bible study fellowship. I'm like, eh, now I don't need that. You know, and I can study the Bible on my own, blah, blah, blah. Well, finally, after a couple of years, um, it just worked out. It, it just, everything worked out. And I said, I'm going to do it. They were going to study the book of John. That was the next catalyst of, of studying God's word and, and then getting a systematic study the first year was just John and I was in a group, but then the next year I became a group leader. And so I had to do homiletics. I had to learn how to take a passage apart and put it back together again. I had to learn how to find the main truth of a passage I was reading. And that was, I mean, I I loved homiletics. I'm one of those weird ones that like that. I love to break it down and you know, get principles out of, out of a passage. So Bible study fellowship taught me that, you know, it, it was what I needed at the time. And, um, I did that for, um, several years. And then also when you study God's word and you're faithful to it and you make it part of your daily thing, not just a weekly thing, but a daily thing, you start to recognize God in your life's work, in your, in your day to day. And you can go to the word when you've been in it, you can go in and like, or a passage will come to mind, you know, like trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. You know, that one was a Bible verse that came at me all the time, but you can start to hear, I don't want to say hear like an audible here, but his spirit's in you and you can start to recognize his direction and his leading on your life. And it's not just taking your Bible and I'm reading it and I'm just reading it. It's like, I'm applying it. You know, it doesn't make sense to me that a promise made to a people 5,000 years ago has any valid validity for me, but somehow God's word is crossing time and space. And it's speaking to me, not in a specific way it spoke to the original audience, but God's word does not return empty and void. It is, it is for everyone for all time. So he started um, training me that through BSF and because of that, I started hearing a direction of I was supposed to go to nursing school, of all things. Yeah, yeah, of that's all cool. things. Mm-hmm. The, the scariest thing in the world 
I mean, I'd moved all over. I had children. I, you know, went through sickness on my own, all kids sick while my husband was at sea. All of these things I went through. This scared the pants off me doing this. Felt very unqualified, unequipped, dumb, not smart enough, which was a lie from the devil himself. But his pressing on me for that was incredible. Like I could not not do it. I could, I tried to not do it, but it was just like, it was the most uncomfortable thing to not do what I knew he was telling me to do. I was miserable, like mm-hmm. <laughs> miserable. <laughs> I want to go back for just a second. Sure. Um, yeah. As you were relating, um, hearing God and his direction and knowing him well, I I was thinking about our marriage. When you enter marriage, you know, you're dating and then you get married and and you know that person. But if we look back, you know, at five years, at 10 years, at 20 years, how we know them at a greater level. And that's because we've spent time with them. You know, when I go to the grocery store, my decisions are influenced by my husband's likes, you know, I know what food he likes. I know, you know, my children's likes and what they like um, and what their preferences are. And that is because of time spent. So even though my family may not be with me at the grocery store, I make choices because I understand them better. And that may not be just the grocery store. It may be, you know, I don't know, like, oh, my husband always says to take this route, you know, oh, he likes me to shop at this store because he feels that one's safer for me than the one across town. And we start to make decisions because of that knowledge. And we trust that knowledge, you know, it it's so good. And I think that is how we start to hear the Holy Spirit. We know God, we know his personality. We know his plans for us are good. And by his past track record, we know that we can trust him now. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was just when you were saying that it just kind of like, oh, that's kind of like marriage. It's kind of like our family life. That is a great analogy. And God is constantly building on us. You know, we, we get a foundation at our at our belief, at our surrender, or whenever, you know, whenever we get it, I don't, I don't know. We have a foundation where we know that Jesus is the savior of the world. He died for me. Everything from that point on, he is building. He's just building this house because we're his temple. And we, we have these stones that just keep getting added on and on. And, and Jesus even said, you're living stones. Peter said, you are living stones, a spiritual household. And you know, and if you took one of them out, what would you take out? You know, you would lose something if you took out an important element, you know, a hard thing that you went through, you know, there's, there's, I got a list a mile long of things I wish I could change and chapters I wish hadn't been written. But if I took any of them out, the story would be different. Yeah. And it's one of those things. Okay, Rhonda. So we're going to bring this train into the station, as so they say. So we, you started going to Bible Study Fellowship. 
And that really anchored you because you could go and you could find out who is God, who is, is he who he says he is? What does his word say? And because you're going straight to him, straight to the word of God, you know that it hasn't been, it's not just somebody else's interpretation. It's what the word of God says. And that is a good challenge and encouragement to all of us to go to the word. And that brings us to how we met is that Bible study that I got to online when I was in Oregon and signed up for it, connected me to the Bible study in Tennessee. That was Bible study fellowship. And I've mentioned it before. I had our teaching leader, Jesse on, and I could link that in the show notes back to the testimony she shared about the adoption of her daughters, which is an amazing story. Yes. Yeah. So We're going to link in the show notes, the website for Bible study fellowship. And could you just take a second and tell us about what that is? So Bible study fellowship is a international interdenominational Bible study. um, That's been going around for well over 60 years. I'm not even sure it was started by uh, Miss Johnson, a British lady from Britain, of course, but she was a missionary (laughs) to China. And um, during World War II, she ended up back, she ended up in the United States. And it was during like uh, the Billy Graham Crusades. I'm not quite sure all the background. But anyway, five women in California asked Miss Johnson if she would teach them the Bible. Um, She said that she would, but she said she wasn't going to spoon feed it. She felt like Americans were very lazy in their Bible study. And um, she made them work for it. And those five women have grown into... I don't know what I know what the children's is now because I'm working in the children's program, but there's 80,000 children enrolled in Bible study fellowship classes around the world. There's over 400,000 men and women in classes around the world. They used to be strictly in churches and the beauty of Bible study fellowship, what, what I really drew me to it was it was the body of Christ. The denominations were left at the door. We didn't talk about denominations. We didn't talk about about what our pastor said. We talked about what God said to us each week. We all studied the same passage every week. This year, we're studying the people of the promise, the divided kingdom. So we're looking at really hard, hard scriptures of the kings from Israel's time, their glory years, and the prophets. And it is very Pokey in the eyes, punchy in the gut. Um, study next year. I believe we're studying the Book of John again, which is beautiful. But all around the world, every single week, everybody is studying the same passage. I absolutely love that. We have all kinds of shapes, sizes, colors, faith levels, Bible knowledge levels. You do not have to be a scholar. You can be like I was in the '90s, just opening it up for the first time and saying, "God, you show me." It's an excellent opportunity for you to find out what God has to say about the world in which we live. I started going to Bible study fellowship in the 90s when I had was single and then I was a newlywed going and then I started having babies. And back then you couldn't take your babies with you and they didn't have a children's program. 
And so I missed a lot of years. I uh, wasn't really able to finish a year because I just had a baby or I wasn't quite have one wean, so I couldn't start a year. But now they have children's programs. There's men's programs. There's like, you can just go and you can even go online if it's not something that you can go attend, right? Yes, yes. My daughter is in an online, thanks to COVID, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's online, you can go any time of day, 24 hours a day. My daughter is in a group and there are two women from Uganda who are in her class. So it really is available to anybody at any time of day. They even have online children's programs. One of our charter members, Pam, you don't know her. She is um, going to be part of an online children's program where kids can come online and hear the same lessons, you know, everything's tailored differently for the young ones, but it is the same scripture. Um, we had Jonah and Amos before the break, and that's what the adults were studying too. So it really is an amazing opportunity to study God's word. When you and I were sending little messages back and forth in preparation for this, one thing you said is that God has been wooing you your whole life and drawing you in to him and his word. And I translated that in my brain. And I said, you know what? God's been wooing her. And then he's been wowing her because <laughs> the way that he is so good to us and, and comes alongside us to give us just what we need at the right time. I'm so thankful that we're chosen by him and that he loves us. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just faith as small as a mustard seed. He just wants us to believe. That's it. Just believe him for the step you're in. Don't worry about how much faith you're going to need 10 years from now. Don't worry about the faith that you're going to need. Right now is the only faith you need for this moment, for this decision, for this opportunity. What does he want you to do right now? And don't worry about anything else. Mm, yeah. Well, Rhonda, thank you so much for being an encouragement to all of us today. And I want to ask if you would close us out in a word of prayer. I would love to. And it's going to be really short and sweet. I came upon my my grandchildren praying with their mother the other day, and they were holding hands, and it's their daily prayer. So this is my prayer. It's, it's just very sweet. And I just thank you, Pam, for this opportunity. It's been wonderful talking about this. It's great. So... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless us as we work, study, and play. Be present with us in all we do. May we bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's obviously a memorized prayer, which is so rich and powerful for our children. They will remember those. She so. got it from... Um, healthy households book. I think it was a book that she got it from and those little children, six and four, they know it. And it, it's just such a way to, you're, it's got the Trinity in there. It's got our, our mm -hmm. works of service in there. And, you know, for every mom, how easy to just start practicing it because I learned by learning what my children were learning, you know, mm -hmm. You don't go into learning the Bible at a college level. You know, God doesn't make us take college courses when we're starting out young. Yeah. Yeah. The memorized prayers, I think also 
come back to us when we're older. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's really good. And oh my goodness, Rhonda, I had forgotten to ask you, you wrote a book. That is like a little secret that I did not even realize until today. So I want you to tell me the title of your book. And also I want to mention to ladies that if they would like to contact you, you've given me your email and said I can put it in the show notes. So we're I'm going to drop your email in the show notes. And before we leave, I want you to tell me the name of your book. Sure. Sounds good. So the name of the book is called Approaching the Throne of Grace. I believe it's still on Amazon. It's been out for a while, but it's just a book of short stories that I wrote all about people who encountered God in very weak moments of their lives. So yes, you can contact me by my email, rondawary42 at gmail.com. Okay. No H in Rhonda. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been fun. And I look forward to seeing all you ladies again next week. Bye-bye. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at Because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, think on these things.